morning. <coughs> so I'm going to back up our story a little bit um, to 2013 when I was in Mozambique. We were in Pemba, um, Mozambique, Africa, and we were in this prayer hut, and I met this woman. She was this piercingly beautiful woman, and you looked at her, and she's tall. She has short hair, and she just looks different than everyone else around her. And I was like, God, I really want to know who this woman is. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing, like, she comes to stand up, and she's going to preach. Like, okay, God, I'm going to get to know who this woman is. And so um, her name was Amy Lancaster. Amy Lancaster and her husband David started We Will Go Ministries in Jackson, Mississippi, when they answered a small, tiny voice to go and to be obedient to what God was calling them to do. Um, when she was in Africa, she was preaching specifically about how do we do ministry as a family. Now, at that time, I, Ben and I were married, but we, had been, we were newlyweds. We were married in December. Um, we were there. We went in May, and God told us before we even got married, like, hey, I want you to go and do this together, and I want you to be married. And like, okay, God, like, I really don't want to go right away. And I didn't. And um, we went anyway. And I know now why we went. <coughs> so she stood up there and she said, it's really important that you do ministry together and that you fight for it, that you fight to do it together. And it didn't really hit me why that message was so important and why I really needed to pay attention to that until February of this year. Um, we wanted to do a youth trip, and we had talked about going to Brazil at one point and talked about some other things, and it just wasn't working. And God kept saying, well, what about we will go? And I was like, well, I don't know about that because I'm on maternity leave, and I clearly cannot do this because there's just no way, God. Like, I have a four-month-old and that's not possible. And he kept saying, well, well, why not? And I kept saying, well, because it's just not possible. And he just kept saying, well, why not? And he said, I really, Emma, he said, it's time. This is the time to go. So not long later, we were sitting at my kitchen table uh, with Ben, and Eric was there, and we're praying, and Eric looks at me, and he said, I know that this is where you're supposed to go, but I'm just not sure about the timing. And I went to God with that, and I said, God, why is it that my husband is so sure that this is the time, and I'm not so sure yet, and Eric, he's not so sure yet either. And so I went to him, and I said, God, what are you doing? This timing doesn't make any sense. And he took me to Ecclesiastes 3.1, which we're going to pull up in a minute here. Um, for everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of different seasons that I go through in life. There's a lot of different hats that I wear in life. Um, here to New Covenant, I am your, your tween's pastor. Um, I'm also a wife um, and a mother and a daughter to Jeff and Christy Clausen. And at one point, I was a missionary in Iris in, in Pemba, Mozambique. But at this specific time, um, when I read this verse, God was talking to me about um, this season and this purpose right now is for you to go and for you to grow and you to be obedient. And sometimes being an obedient daughter is harder than you think it will be. Sometimes it takes more sacrifice than you think it might. Sometimes it's harder to go than it is to stay, and that's why we go. So um, we decided we were going to go. And I was like, you know, I'm going to help you set everything up on this trip, but I'm not personally going to go myself. And that was how it was going to be the whole time. 
<coughs> which now is funny because had I not been there, I think it might have fallen apart a little bit. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, so I went back to work on May 10th, and the same day I put on my calendar for a time to talk with my boss, and I said, so this week in June, which is exactly a month from the time that I had come back from maternity leave, I need to take a week off. And I was terrified. Like I had this, this pit was like growing in my stomach of like, oh my goodness, I have to have this, this talk with my boss at one o'clock today and I'm not gonna be able to do it. Like I'm not gonna have the guts to say, hey, I need this week off to go and do ministry, by the way. Um, yeah, cause it's just getting back to work after being gone for three months. And I have a pretty like high profile uh, client managing job. So it's really hard to take long times off because we have quotes that come out all the time anyway. So I get to my meeting, um, and I'm like, hey, so I'm really timid when I'm asking her. And she's like, uh, what do you need to ask me? I'm like, well, I, I'm leading a youth group now with my husband, and we're going to go on this trip, and I need to ask for time off. And she says, oh, no problem. Absolutely. Like, you were just on maternity leave. Like, you can still use your PTO. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm talking to God. I'm like, hey, um, this was really not supposed to happen. Like, I was, she was going to say no, and so now I have to go. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so clearly you have a plan bigger than I do. And he always does, right? Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to talk to you about is not being afraid to ask. My fear was holding me back from something that God had in store for me in June and I didn't want to ask for in May. That's a really short time span, guys. Like, it's just a month. Um, but sometimes we're afraid to ask for things that are even less of a time span than that. Um, sometimes we're afraid to ask God for forgiveness in the moment, and he's just standing there ready to give it. <coughs> All right. Um, so the next thing. That is about taking your step of faith. Do you know that God will move every obstacle that you have to go? If you're sitting here and God is asking you to go to this purity class or God is asking you to um, repent for something, it's him who moves the obstacle. Yeah. It's not us. But I think the bigger question is, why do we go? It's what we carry with us into the darkness to share with the lost. It is our citizen, citizenship in heaven <coughs> that we carry with us. If we could pull up um, Philippians 3.20. maybe. Okay. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20. Um, we taught on this the last day of camp, and this is why. So we asked the kids, what does it mean to be a citizen? And they said, that is where we belong. So what does it mean if we belong in heaven, but we're here now on earth? So it means that you carry something with you. You carry the kingdom of God in your heart. And anywhere you go, you carry him. Yeah. So when we go into the dark, we go into Jackson, Mississippi, which Jackson itself, as a larger city, it's a great city. But when we are where we were on Ferris Street, it's a really, really dark place. Um, we may not have disclosed how dark it was before we went because we really wanted people to go. <laughs> um, so there's crack houses in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, there are children who live without mother and father every day. 
Um, there are children who wake up in a house that is filled with weed every day, and they come to class high because it's just in their atmosphere all the time. We're talking about five and seven-year-olds, guys. Like that's, that's the reality that they're living in. That is the darkness that is invading them. Um, we're talking about kids who don't know where their food's coming from because the only food that they have might be at this camp, and that's it. And that's in the U.S. Yeah. So I want to talk about that a little bit, too, because when we were in Mozambique, I knew what it looked like to see lost children. I knew what it looked like to see kids who didn't have a mom or dad or didn't have enough food. But then we got here to Jackson, Mississippi, and do you know that they look the same? They look exactly the same. The lost are the same, no matter if they're in Jackson, Mississippi, or Pemba, Mozambique, or Newcastle, Indiana. They're the same. But we, if we can pull up that verse again, we are citizens of heaven. And that means that we carry a piece of eternity in our hearts. And that means that you carry a light that you can bring to this darkness that no one else has. That's right. And that they terribly, terribly desire and want. But why is it that we're here? Because if we're citizens of heaven, then clearly we should be there now but we're not. So why is that? So it's because God wants us to go. It's because God wants us to share our citizenship with those who don't know him, who those who don't carry him in their heart. He wants us to carry our light to that darkness. Yes. So it goes on. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we uh, talked about this, um, vocabulary is a big thing, obviously. So citizenship and eagerly were our big words. And I said, what is citizenship? And it said, where we belong. And the next one, we said, what does eagerly mean? We had this little kid. Um, his name was Zion. And he sat up and he said, it's I'm excited so bad. And I said, yeah, okay, let's put that in. And he said, okay, so we said, but we belong in heaven. And we are excited so bad for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so if he can get it. He's five. Why can't we? Like, we are the believers. We are the ones who are already citizens, guys. Why can't we be excited so bad that he's coming? Okay. <coughs> so the next part I want to talk about, and then Ben is going to come up, and then Chris, too. Um, sometimes we go, and we don't know what it's going to look like. On this particular trip, we went, and we had no idea what it was going to look like. I knew that we would go. I knew that there would be kids. I knew that we would be helping with um, a VBS-type camp. But when we got there and we stood in orientation on Sunday night, we were told, oh, hey, by the way, like, you're going to do craft time, right? I'm like, yeah, we have some crafts. We have a craft bin. Like, sure, that's good. And they're like, oh, you're also, you're going to do Bible time. We're like, yeah, like, we had some Bible lessons planned, so I think we'll be okay. Then they're like, oh, and you're also going to be in charge of gym time. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Time out. <laughs> I was like, I thought that we were, like, assisting with your program. And they're like, oh, no. Like, you're coming in, and, and you're going to give a program to our kids. <laughs> the whole shebang. The whole deal. Like, these beautiful VBS programs that you, you walk through on, on uh, State Road 3, and you see these signs for VBS. Oh, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do here. This is Sunday night. <coughs> It starts at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. And I'm like, 
God, what are we doing? And he said, you just need to trust me. Like, I brought you here. I asked you to go. And you said yes, and now you're going to trust me. <coughs> okay. So if we could pull up Hebrews 3, 4. Maybe. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Hebrews 3, 4. This verse came to me um, during a quiet time that I got the pleasure of having. There were not very many quiet moments in Jackson, but I got a couple. And uh, God brought this verse to me. And he reminded me that it wasn't me or Ben who brought us to Jackson, Mississippi. It was him. And even the team members that we had, we had Paula and we had Chris and we had Joey and Wyatt and Emily and Tabitha and we had Grace, <coughs> and the Boaz boys, I don't see them, there they are. Every person who came on that trip had a role. I kid you not, every single one. And to stand back and watch how God built it, because it wasn't me, and it wasn't Ben, and it wasn't Chris, and it wasn't Tabitha, it wasn't the leaders on this trip, guys, who built what was happening, it was God. And to watch every single person encounter the person in front of them and to love them, that was the point of this trip. It wasn't about this schedule that we had. It wasn't about Bible, and it wasn't about gym time, and it wasn't about, um, you know, getting to lunch on time, making sure every kid had a plate, because that was a big deal, because there wasn't a lot of food. No, it was actually about these 20 kids that we had who were 5 to 7-year-olds, and then these about 20 kids that we had who were 7 to 11-year-olds. It was literally about sitting down with them and helping them encounter the Father. And if we hadn't had the team that we would have had, it wouldn't have happened. Um, I got to see and experience some really amazing things with your kids. And so for that, I really thank you. Thank you for trusting us with them. Thank you for allowing them to come on this trip. <coughs> um, John Drummond, on Monday night, we had to explain what our joy and our junk and our Jesus were. So every, that was the first time we did it. So what was a joy that you experienced that day? Um, what was a junk or something that was just really hard to experience? And then where did you see Jesus? And his joy that evening was trying to beat the littlest kid in air hockey, and I lost. <laughs> and I love that, though, because that was really the joy of our entire trip. The joy of this trip was experiencing the small moments of joy that these kids got to have because we were able to bring a light and a heaven to them that they don't see every day. These kids come from a really broken place, um, and every person carried something different that I couldn't carry and Ben couldn't carry by themselves. Um, Tabitha is amazing doing uh, dance moves and sharing some of her teacher videos with the kids. Um, Joey has a softness that I've never seen before, and we had kids specifically who had Joey not been there, they wouldn't have thrived. And so I could tell a story about each one of your kids, and I'd like to. I don't have a lot of time, though. Um, but the idea is that God called them, and they said yes. And even out of that fear, we went. And we went, and we did something incredible for the kingdom. And it's because we're citizens of something much bigger than ourselves. And we carry a light that needs to be carried into this darkness. Um, Ben's going to come up, but I just <coughs> want to remind you that if there's something in your life that you're not sure that you can carry yourself, um, God asks you 
so go. And then he builds it, so don't worry that you don't have the plans, because he does. All right, I'm going to try to be quick, but i got to finish. As she was talking, the scriptures out of uh, Ephesians 5 kept coming up, so I'm going to round out what she said, and then I'm going to start on what I want. So it's uh, Ephesians 5, 8. You don't have to put it up. It's long. It's for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. It goes on to say, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but it says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Other translations talk about redeeming time when it takes um, talks about redeeming every opportunity. Because we have to live as every opportunity. Um, yeah, this trip, I, I work commercial concrete, so just like Emma, it's a not a good time when it's 80 degrees out and you can work 14-hour days to go. But um, I got permission to go, and it worked out. But um, since my time is short, I'm just going to keep to Scripture and testimony and move on and let God work in your hearts. Um Isaiah 43:18 through 19. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We all like streams. We we don't like the wasteland part. But when we go to John 7:38, whoever believes in me as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Streams in the wasteland, rivers of living water flowing from within them. Okay, water, streams, and there's desert, but we're the streams. Okay, and then we have Paul talking about this thing in Corinthians. And he's talking about the foundation and, and some planting and some growing and something that God's doing, but. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And if you guys just keep reading that, you'll keep getting more and more and more and more and more. But um, And then I'm going to stop my... Scriptures, because I could do it all day. But um, Romans ten fifteen, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. Um, you guys sent us out of this house, and I thank you for that. Um, grab somebody that went on this trip. There's 18 of us. Only, only time for three or four of us to speak. Ava Robinson. Um, I saw her grow on this trip immensely and maturity, and download, and Jonathan, and Boaz. Kids were called to maturity that, that they aren't supposed to live in yet. There's a supernatural acceleration. Yeah, if, if you guys went on this trip and you're here, then could you just stand up real quick? So, I know there's, so as you can see, there's seedlings all around the congregation. There's, there's pockets everywhere, so. 
Um, I, I'm going to be quick and round out. Um, when we were there, you kind of walk into a harsh environment. And like Emma says, we were thrown into this program. And you're teaching, and you're running, and your feet are on the ground, and you don't get a chance to rest from 7 in the morning until about 7.30 at night. We were scheduled and slotted in programs. We were cleaning toilets. We were mopping floors. Um, some of our missionaries, w rocks were thrown at them. So there's biblical truth. When you preach the good word, sometimes bad things happen. But um, we got to be water, and we didn't get to see the increase, but the team there this week will. But we got to see the increase from what happened last week. And the songs that were sung, the words that were preached, these kids as we're coming in, they're singing about a good, good father, and some of these kids don't have one. They don't have an earthly father, but they're singing about a good, good father. They're singing, and, and one of the girls, her name's Cleviana, she's coloring her hand, and, and she's, I got to color it red. Well, why do you have to color it red? Because it's got to be marked by the blood of Christ. They're, they're learning to rest. They've got, we, we had to rest. Uh, like Jonathan had to learn rest on this trip because you have to lay down for an hour so these kids can figure out how to rest because they don't get it at home. They don't. It's you, you, They would have dreams and, and talk about what Jesus was doing as they laid down in their rest time. It wasn't VBS. It was a little bit of heaven on earth and a little bit of the chaos and the streams in the wilderness, and we were having to figure out how to keep the water on and how to continue pouring out because we were getting parched ourselves because we didn't have time to rest. There, there wasn't. You had to figure out how to be a conduit of heaven in the midst of it all. And we had 12-year-olds learning out how to be a conduit of heaven. It, it, maturity just it, it sprung up. Um, I'm going to share just, there was, what's, how old was, um, give me a second. I've got so many names in my head. They'll, they'll stay on your heart all week, too. There's 40 kids. They all stay on your heart, and all the missionaries stay on your heart. Cedric. Cedric. Uh, this little boy, Emma asked, does anybody want to pray? And he's one of the ones acting up the most during the beginning of the week. And we would find one kid, and we'd assign our kids to him. You'd love on him all week long. you love on that one all week long. And he stands up, and could everyone bow their heads? And and close their eyes. And God, I just thank you for this team that came. I thank you for just them pouring out what they have and blessing us, even though sometimes from the oldest to the young, we don't get it. God, I just thank you for them, and I bless them, and I just bless this time for rest. Amen. And this is the rowdiest kid in the bunch. <laughs> what is going on here? And, and you saw fruit after fruit. But um, I think um, we've got eight minutes, so I'm going to shift over to Chris, and I think he's going to close this out. But I, I just encourage you. I know it's, we had trips to Russia, Joel's Africa, right? And we haven't even got to hear about that yet. So there's just, if God calls you to go, he'll make a way. You just have to be obedient in that simple truth and, and put your feet to march. So love you guys. I don't even know how I'm going to get through this without being a blubbering, sob <laughs> sobbing mess. I'm real. I just really don't know. I'm just not. I'm just going to let it go. Uh, 
rivers. <laughs> I, I know the Lord's going to wipe away every tear one day. Man, these kids. They grow up in this environment down there where they have to be they have to become mature at a very young age. They grow up in a violent drug culture. And it just gives it gives way to mostly demonic influence. When a lot of them would come to camp, they'd be sleep deprived. They'd be hungry. And some of them be high, like Emma said, because they they're in a house where weed's constantly being smoked, so they don't have a choice. Some of them come in there and they're angry, and they're waiting for somebody to knock a chip off their shoulder, and they're ready to fight. There were some scuffles while we were there that we had to break up. Beyond all that, these kids just desperately, desperately needed the love of the Father. And that's why we were sent there. Because they needed to see the love of the Father. More than anything. And even in the short time we were there, as tough and exhausting as it was, being able to see the reality of the heavenly gifts our Father had created in them was enough to start a fire inside of me. And what I realized from this experience is even though there's a different dynamic in our hometown, Newcastle is not immune to drug culture. And it's rooted, it's rooted in generational curses and demonic oppression. We have been commanded <laughs> to share the good news to an oppressed people. <laughs> to bring freedom to the captives. <laughs> In the drug culture of our city. Can I have an amen on that? I cannot sit silent while the people of our town continue to go on a path of destruction without allowing them the opportunity to have a glimpse of Jesus or hear the good news of how Jesus has transformed my life and is continually transforming my life because he loves me. This needs to be our anthem. So in in closing I'm going to leave you all with a challenge. Will 
you, will we be a people who go into the drug culture that has been allowed to take our city captive? Will we? The people, the families, the children that Jesus died for and who so desperately need to know that there is freedom. It is time to go into our city and take it back for the glory of the Lord. Can we put on some music, please? I just want to give everybody an opportunity right now. (laughs) I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we repent. (laughs) We repent for hiding our light under a basket. (laughs) For not shining our light (laughs) in a community who so desperately, desperately needs to know you. Needs to know how you love and how you care and needs a father needs to know a father who desperately loves them and has great amazing plans for their life and so we we come before you and we repent we say lord forgive us help us to turn Turn from this heart of complacency and open our eyes to the people that are around us and the communities that are hurting right under our noses, Lord, right next door, right down the street, at Walmart, at the grocery store. Holy Spirit, speak to us, show us, give us the words to bring freedom, to set the slaves free, Lord. Jesus, you're so amazing that you died for all of this. You died for us, you died for them. We can't keep you hidden. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are called to go reach this amazing community that we call home. Help us to fall in love with our city fall in love with the people that are hurting and dying around us. Most of all, Lord, give us this passion for you 
give us this passion for you because it's for you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood being poured out has made all of this possible, Lord. Lord, and we just seal this time. Lord, and help us to respond to the call that you've put in our hearts for this city. So that we can shine your light with every step we take and with every word we say, with everything that we do. And we ask it all in the magnificent, beautiful, precious name of Jesus. Amen.